You are listening to The Voice of One. All right, welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. Welcome to The Voice of One, or in shorthand, VU. <laughs> hey, it's good to have you guys with us, everybody. It is VU 33 for Friday, November 6, year of our Lord 2020, otherwise known as Re-Election Day plus three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, as we were approaching Election Day, I was always counting down. I would say the date and then however many days until the re-election of Donald J. Trump. And so um, anyway, that didn't happen on November 3rd. So we're still waiting on that occurrence. And so we've gone into over extra innings over time. So we're at re-election day plus three. Great to have you guys on board. Woody Cumbie here, your host, bringing you the unparalleled blend of coffee, current events, faith, and FSU football, all in about 20 minutes. But today, it's all about uh, where we are (laughs) on this Friday uh, after the election, where we are on re-election day, plus three. Well, hey, how how is everybody? How are you feeling? How are you doing? I have to tell you, I, I'm uh, I'm trying to figure out what day it is. I'm <laughs> there was something about the I don't know if you've ever had this where you had a week and you just had we we're having a difficult. It's like it felt like a different day. No, you haven't had that. Anyway, there was something about this the the Tuesday election. It was so that whole all nighter and all that. It like some reset my bio clock or I don't know. So somehow or another, it became Monday to me, that election day. So the rest of the week, I was like a day early. It was like everything felt like it was a day early. So uh, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. Now, what was funny about it is I didn't miss my appointments at work. I would put in the calendar. I would look at the, I had the right date open. It's just that I it felt like I was on a different day. I would tell you it was the stuff of the Twilight Zone. Okay, so um, no, no, no. I'm telling you, I couldn't pass a concussion protocol. They asked me what day of the week it is. It's like, uh, uh, admit him, admit him. Okay, so, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, it, and, and, here's, and here's what happened. Here's, this is embarrassing. Here's what happened. I was uh, going to go to dinner with a couple. We had talked about going to dinner and we didn't have a set appointment, uh, a set day or, or whatever. We were just going to say, hey, this week, let's get together. So on what I thought was Wednesday, I sent them a text and said, hey, you want to go to McAllister's tonight at 6 p.m.? Well, in a minute, I get a, a text back and said, well, we were just thinking about that. We were thinking Thursday or Friday. Now, when I read that, I read Thursday or Friday as tomorrow or the next day, okay? Because <laughs> my brain thinks it's, it's Wednesday. So I said, uh, okay, I, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday works. 
So in a moment, they, they text back and say, okay, great, McAllister, 6 o'clock, you know, we'll see you there. I said, okay. So <laughs> I, went about, I went about my day. Uh, so that night, about 6.15, I get this text from this couple. They say, yeah, you, you guessed it. They said, <laughs> we're, we're in McAllister's. And I, I, I looked at it. I, I, I sent a text back and said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought we agreed on. <laughs> I thought we agreed on Thursday." So the, <laughs> there was a long pause, and and it's like, how do you tell your pastor this, right? So they, <laughs> after a long pause, they sent a text back and say, "This is Thursday." <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. Oh, oh, reminds me of the time I missed an international flight because I didn't know what day it was. <laughs> That's right. This is not the first time this has happened to me. Um, but, but I had a good excuse that time. I was, in, uh, I was in Malaysia, Malaysia. So when you fly to Malaysia, you fly across this thing called the International Dateline, the International Dateline. And that's a pretty crazy thing because depending upon which way you're flying, you either fly into the previous day or you fly into the next day when you, (laughs) I know it sounds crazy, but, uh, so anyway, I, when I went to do my return flight, return flight, uh, I was like on the next day on, on like, I was just like totally confused and. I guess it was so common that that when I called, I got the I got the Delta guy on the phone, and and I'm describing, hey, I'm embarrassed, I've, I've missed this flight, I I didn't even know what day it was, and by the way, the only reason I knew it, the reason I knew I'd missed my flight was I for some reason I did not get an alert on my phone about the actual departure of my first leg of my international flight, but I got an alert about my connection in Houston. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, what in the world is this? So I, I'm calling, and it's the Delta guy, and he's just kind of like chuckling, you know, it's like another American, you know, that flew across the international dateline. And it was like no big deal to him. They rebooked me, uh, but I did have a middle seat uh, quite, quite a bit of that ways. But no, no problem, it was only halfway around the world. Ah, oh, man. Okay, so uh, whatever day it is, we're one day closer to the re-election of Donald J. Trump. No, really. I know it doesn't seem that way, uh, but how does the saying go? Trust me. All right? <laughs> All right, so hey, we're going to try to squeeze in one, two, three, four, five. That's right, we've tried it before, we failed, but we're going to, this is ambitious, we're going to try to go with five segments, and here they are, so close. They told us so. Incentive, never out of the fight, and keep the faith. Okay, hang in there just for a second. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to segment number one, So Close. So let's do this. We're going to try to calibrate where we are in this journey to the re-election of Donald J. Trump. Um, so, uh, first of all, we're just, when I look at this, it was just like, 
the, the even as it stands right now, it, it just it was so close, so close uh, to this whole thing being over. I'm looking at CNN.com. Uh, yeah, maybe the first time this year I've gone on CNN.com. But here's here's the deal. The he- their headline is Biden closes in on 270. And they have the 253 to 213 Electoral College and uh, all this. But now look at this. They're looking, they've got, the, they've got the stats down here for three, the three key states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, as they stand at the moment, the running score. All right, so let's look at Arizona. And Arizona, Biden is winning one, uh, 49.6% to 48.6%. Or 1,604,000 to 1,574,000. So what is that? Uh, 25, 29, uh, about um, 30,000 votes uh, difference. And then Georgia, Biden has taken the lead. He's got 2,457,000 votes. And... The president has 2,453,000 votes, so there's like 3,000 vote difference. Now in Pennsylvania, there's, uh, Biden has 3,327,000, and the president has 3,305,000, so there's a, what, 22,000 vote difference. Now think about that. There's a 22,000 vote difference, there's a 3,000 vote difference, and there was a, what, 30,000 vote difference. And we're talking about the election of the president of the United States of America. It's coming in a 350 million population uh, in a situation where there was, whatever it was, 130 million votes cast. Uh, we're down to like, you know, 3,000 votes, 30,000 votes, determining who's going to be the president of the United States. Crazy, crazy! Uh, how close it 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 all is, even as even as it stands right now. Before addressing anything else, um, now um, you know, I have to admit, and and let's, let's just face the reality. On the face of it, it really does look pretty bleak, and for the president's reelection, and certainly all of the folks on the left, and Biden, Harris. They're all poised to make the announcement, you know, when they call it, and this boom, they're ready uh, to go. Uh, but uh, first of all, a couple things. One, remember, the news media doesn't call who, I don't care what verbiage they use, the news media does not determine who the president of the United States is. All of these votes have to be certified in their states, and then electors right, from each state, have to make their decision and cast their ballot uh, in, uh, in December. And then, only then, is somebody actually elected the president of the United States. So uh, the, what, what, the, 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 the fact that, that uh, CNN or somebody says, oh, he's gone, he was, he's over, it's 270, that's it. Um, yes, that's likely it, for, as things would normally go, but folks... Let me just remind you of this. This is 2020. 
<laughs> if you think things are going to go as they normally go, you're in the wrong year. Um, let me also say this to you. I know it looks a little bleak. I know, I know it seems against all odds. But I just want to tell I told somebody today, the Jews' odds of winning look pretty slim until the Red Sea parted. All right, folks, we'll be right back with the next segment. They told us so. All right, welcome back to uh, segment number two, They Told Us So. Well, this, this election is in disarray in large degree because of the unconventional nature of this year and the fact that, uh, in my opinion, the uh, Democrat Party uh, did, they seized on coronavirus as an opportunity to say, hey, people can't go to the polls safely, and so we need to really ramp up mail-in voting. So the mail-in voting has thrown this big looping curve, and it's a huge problem. And what we have is the nexus between uh, the problems that go with mail-in voting and, uh, and, and then the problems that go with Philadelphia. Now, all I can say is they told us so. Now, I'm going to start with uh, uh, some audio from an interview that Attorney General Barr did uh, uh, so, you know, a few weeks ago with uh, Wolf Blitzer. And he's describing the problem with the mail-in ballots and how we can anticipate it's going to end up being a mess. So just listen to what uh, Attorney General Barr said weeks before the election. This is, you know, it's th- reckless. Well, this is a, you know, sort of cheap talk to get around the fundamental problem, which is the bipartisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and, there have and been until a lot this of admin- no, well, sorry, that have improved it. Let me talk. Yeah, please. Uh, and since, this, since that time, there have been, in the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail, have found substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas, 1,700 ballots collected he made, from people who ha- could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. Okay? Because that I'll, kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots, are, and everyone knows But that. there are individual uh, cases, but as far as widespread fraud... We haven't seen that since... Uh, well, we, have, we haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots that's being proposed. We've had absentee ballots from people who request them from a specific address. Now what we're talking about is mailing them to everyone on the voter list when everyone knows those voter lists are inaccurate. People who should get them don't get them, which is what has been one of the major complaints in states that have tried this in, in municipal elections. And... Uh, People who get them are not the right people. They're people who have replaced the the previous occupant, and they can make them out. And sometimes multiple ballots come to the same address with a whole generate several generations of occupants. Do you think that's a way to run a vote? No, it's not a way to run a a vote. 
So there, there you have it, folks. The attorney general told Wolf Blitzer weeks before the election, this is a problem. It's going to be a big problem. And sure enough, it is a problem. Now, you have that with the intersection of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And who told us about that? Oh, the president of the United States told us about that in the first debate. What was he being asked? Of course, the question about will you accept the results? And he pointed strictly and specifically to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He describes the problems, and lo and behold, once again, the president, Donald J. Trump, is exactly right in what it is that he said. Take a listen. As you know, today there was a big problem. In Philadelphia, they went in to watch. They were called poll watchers, a very safe, very nice thing. They were thrown out. They weren't allowed to watch. You know why? Because bad things happen in Philadelphia, bad things. And Are I you- am urging... I am urging my people. I hope it's going to be a fair election. If it's a fair election, I am 100% on board. But if I see tens of thousands of ballots being manipulated, I can't go along with that. And I'll tell you what, from a common sense, I'll tell you what it means. It means you have a fraudulent election. Bad things happen in Philadelphia, and you'll end up with a, what did he call it? Fraudulent election. They told us so. All right, folks, I'll be right back for segments three and four, which are incentive and never out of the fight. Be right back. Okay, folks, welcome back. This is going to do the, uh, I think we're going to do, we're just going to roll to the end, which is uh, incentive, never out of the fight, and keep the faith. I think we're going to go the whole way. Well, let's see what happens. Okay, so let's start with incentive. One of the things that's really trending out there right now is the question of where are the GOP voices, especially the senators and congressmen out there at microphones supporting the president and supporting the overall uh, effort to validate this election. Uh, And uh, and, and remember now, again, it's not just about the president. There are, there are Senate seats involved. There are, down, there are governorships involved. There are other things. So, And the question is, there, there seem to be crickets. And it's like, where, where are they? Where are they? Right? So here's the deal. They don't have any incentive to support the president. They have an incentive the, the other way. You know, no, no, no. I'm talking about the GOP. I'm talking about the, the senators from Indiana. I'm talking about the congressmen or women from Indiana. No, I've been in touch with Susan Brooks. So the reason is, number one, in the 2016 election, he humiliated 16 career GOP politicians, including Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz. Not only did he have the nicknames for them all, but his number one uh, campaign attack was All talk, no action. That's what he said about all of them. And it rang true with all of us, right, who've who've heard the campaign speech about all that they were going to do or stand against or whatever. And and, and we've gotten the newsletter and we've we've gotten the, the call, give us some money, the Republican senatorial, and we've opened our pocket and given and we've sent them there and sent them there and sent them there and sent them there and nothing, nothing has ever happened about our key issues. 
right? So, uh, and he realizes it. He says, no, all talk, no action. And it resonated. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why Donald Trump got elected. Is was like, we're tired of the talk. Let's put somebody up there that can do something. And so we went up there to do something. And he got it done, by the way. Uh, the second thing, though, is that, that uh, do you, let me ask you this question. When do you think you can raise the most money uh, when, you, when you're the majority party or the uh, minority party? That's right, when you're the minority party. Now, th think about this appeal. Um, guys, listen, the, the, that Biden and Harris, they're, they're going to make this a socialist country. They're going to they're get us into a Green New Deal. This, you've, got, you've got to help us. You've got to send us some money. You've got to send me to Washington. We, somebody's got to stand up about this, against this crazy socialism. Right? You hear that appeal? You hear the urgency of that appeal? You don't have that appeal when you're the majority party. And so that they actually, look, look, let me tell you something. They just sit around, they just sit around raising money and campaigning and giving speeches. That's all they do. And so it's okay with them. Now, here's the amazing thing. Here's an, here's an absolutely bizarre thing. Today, right, actually I think it was yesterday, in Politico, there is, um, uh, there is uh, an article let me see if I can pull it up here. That that already, already, and and here's here's an article uh, from uh, Burgess Everett, Alex Thompson, Marianne Levine, November fifth. Here's the headline. Listen now, America's new power couple, Mitch and Joe. Right. And the whole thing talks about how all the years they spent together. Yeah, they had some fights back and forth, but you know the fact is. You know, they've been in Congress forever, for decades, and, you know, they know how it all works, and they're part of the establishment, and they, they're going to get it all done. Of course, it's all very flattering uh, for this political article. And, and so what, what, what incentive does Mitch have? He's the big guy on the block now. He, he's in with the president. He's not being badgered by the president. Like, you know, he's not having to try to defend uh, some, you know, bull in a china uh, closet like uh, like Trump. No, now he's got his buddy, Joe. And for Joe to get anything done, he's got to come kind of bow down a little bit to, to Mitch and say, Mitch, we've got to get this through the Senate. And uh, anything that comes up through the House has got to get through Mitch and the Senate. He's, he's the guy. He's the linchpin. He holds the key to the whole thing. Why would he want Trump reelected? He's not going to the microphone saying anything. You see how this works? You see how this works? All right, never out of the fight. The Navy SEALs, they're our most elite, elite force in our military. The Navy SEALs. They kill the bad guys. They rescue the hostages. And they go where, no, where anybody else will go or can go. And you never hear about it. Never hear about it. Never get any credit for it in general. Never know their names. That's the way it works. Now, they have a creed, and their creed is several paragraphs long. Every Navy SEAL knows it by heart and never forgets it. And in the middle of that creed, there's this line, this declaration. I am never out of the fight. There's kind of a shorthand version for it. It's Never out of the fight. 
You see, there's a, there's a, there's a toughness, there's a grit that says we're going to stay in there despite on mission with my brothers, despite the setbacks, the injuries, what come what may, we, I, we are never out of the fight. Now, Donald J. Trump has brought that kind of warrior spirit to the White House. He couldn't have survived if he didn't have it. He's been under attack. He's, he's been incoming for four straight years. And somehow, the resiliency of the man, he stood up to it, stood up to it, stood up to it, and, and in the process still continued to do just remarkable things. Kept us out of foreign wars, killed the bad guys, peace in the Middle East, greatest economy in the history of our world. Uh, uh, income uh, rising for every segment of our society until COVID. Uh, all the all the uh, efforts to the African American community, the historic black colleges, the the uh, enterprise zones, all of that. I mean, the, the guy got it done. The guy got it done. So he's an alpha, and everybody on the left, and most everybody. 35 and under, are betas. And they don't know what to do with Donald Trump. But I'll tell you this, that alpha spirit, he, he's not just going to he's not just going to walk away. He's not just going to walk away. He's going to keep fighting. He's going to keep fighting for the integrity of our election process, for America, for you. Now, there may come to a time when he's down for the count in this election, but it's not now. There's every legitimate reason why that he should push back against what has every appearance of being an unfair election result. An unfair election result. He was up by over a million votes over three, uh, over three states, uh, and, and we were within minutes, it seemed, of the election being called. And all of a sudden, they shut it all down. State after state, Democrat state after Democrat state said, so, you know what, we're just going to pack it in for the night. One guy gave a testimony, a poll worker gave the testimony of how he had just been told there are 90 minutes from being done. And 10 minutes later, they were said, oh, we're going to close. And, and then two days later, they're still counting. He was, he was told they were 90 minutes from being done. Now, I don't know, maybe they found some more ballots. But all I know is they all closed up shop, and by morning... Everything had changed. It has every appearance of something that's rigged, something that's wrong. And I'll tell you what, we spent four years, Hillary Clinton, saying that Donald Trump somehow stole the election. He, everybody on the left saying he's illegitimate. Right? The last thing we need to do is spend another four years. Right? And you would think that, you would think that Joe Biden would understand this. He said he wanted to be a unifier. You think he would come out and say, Look, guys, let's count them all. Let's recount them all, right? If he's confident he's won, let, let, come on out here. Let's unify everybody. Let's everybody get together. Let's count them all, and then let's shake hands and walk away so people have confidence. Now, I want to leave you with, uh, with a word of encouragement. Now, I know we've gone long here, but... Uh, Maybe uh, you're listening to this on the weekend and traveling, got a little bit extra time. I want to leave you with a note of encouragement about the re-election of Donald J. Trump and about your heart, your spirit. I want to leave you with something from, Donald, from uh, David J. Harris, Jr., African-American man, 
a pro-Trump guy and uh, a believer in Christ. Now, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a, uh, audio to embed, and so I'm literally going to have to just play this from my computer and put my uh, microphone down there. So the audio is going to be a little bit different, but uh, and you can look it up. It's called David J. Harris Jr., What I'm Feeling Now, and you can find it on Facebook. Uh, and you can find it on Instagram, all right? So, but I just want you to listen to this uh, on the way out and be encouraged because I, I just 100% agree with literally everything uh, the man is saying. All right, here we go. Friends, I'm traveling today. I uh, turned off the news last night. I turned off the news this morning because for me, as a believer... I feel that there's something very spiritual happening right now. And as a believer, I've got to guard my heart. And for guarding my heart, I've got to keep the lies out. So if you're a believer and you believe that God appointed Donald J. Trump to run this country, to lead this country, and you believe, as I do, that he will be reelected the president of the United States, then, friends, you've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your peace. Right now, we are at war. It's a spiritual battle, but right now, more than ever, we've got to rest, we've got to go to Holy Spirit, we've got to go pray, we've got to really hear from God, and I believe that if you do and you press into Him, He will speak peace to you, He will give your heart rest, and if He's given you peace and rest like He's given me right now, it's because He is at work doing something. We don't have to see how this is all going to play out. We don't have to see the way that it's going to play out. But I 100% believe, friends, that Donald J. Trump will be reelected as the president of the United States. Our country is at risk. Our faith, our, our, our ability to practice what we believe is at risk. And the ability to be a country that operates as a republic is at risk right now. But we cannot forget the founding fathers. <laughs> the founding fathers all believed and loved the Bible. And because of that, I believe that God loves this country. And I believe that because you and I are praying for this country, that there will be a stop gap placed right in the middle of what the enemy's trying to do to bring ultimate destruction to our country. There will be a stop gap placed and it will stop and it will shift and it will change. We don't have to see how, we just have to believe. So don't lose your hope, don't lose your peace, and don't give up on your faith that with God, all things are possible. And I absolutely believe that God wants Donald J. Trump to be the president for another four years. David J. Harris Jr. here, God bless you. Stay prayed up. Keep, uh, keep your smile on and turn the news off. It's fake. <laughs>